you don't need to spend a million dollars to make something look a million dollars. So all of these beautiful marbles that we see or sandstone, you can print on anything. So you can create something to look a million dollars without having to spend it. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello everyone. We're back with another episode of She Renovates and I'm just getting it up on my phone so I can see what's going on. And I have two guests to to introduce you to today. Firstly, Deborah Dijong, who has been on the podcast before and we always love to chat with you, Deb. And Peter, Peter, you really have to put your surname in your thing. So it's Save me having to struggle. <laughs> tell tell us right. who you are, Pete. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Peter Wagner. Peter Wagner. Right. Yes. Lovely. Now, today we're going to be talking about decorating on a budget, which is something that's very dear to all our hearts because the decorating is a big part of the appeal of our renovations, but we always have to manage the and Deborah has a so I'm just going to give the the quick intro and then you can fill in the gaps Deb but Deborah has a background in behavioral science and she was originally the founder one of the founders of Fantastic Furniture and has a reasonably long and illustrious TV career with very various programs one of which was Changing Rooms But now she is an independent consultant and she also has a program to help renovators to decorate their properties more cost effectively. So welcome, Deb, and I'll I'll introduce Peter and then we'll fill in the gap. So Peter is someone that Deb works very closely with. And Peter's skill is to be able to print on just about any surface. So I've seen some pretty magnificent glass pieces that have been printed on bar. And if anyone was at She Renovates Live last year, Deb donated a couple of pieces of artwork, which were very beautiful pictures, which were also Peter's work. So Peter, do you want to fill us in on what your business is and what the process is actually called? Yeah, thanks very much. It's well, it's it's a bit hard to sort of put it all into one sort of category. If you want to broad brush it, it's a we use grand format printing presses, and they vary in width from about one point eight meters to five meters wide. Some are roll to roll, some are flatbed, using different versions of printing process yeah some of the stuff is very we've done a fair bit of experimental type printing to make sure that we can print on things i honestly believe we can print on pretty much any surface and we've tried just about everything imaginable um even down to silly things like glad wrap and an alfoil so it's the sky's almost the limit there is some limitations around some of the plastics because of the oils and the way that the plastics respond to the surface tensions to get the inks to stick but other than that it's almost you name it we can print it as long as it's less than about 52 millimeters thick 
So we put doors through the printing process so you can get a wooden door to look like a brick wall and it can have the texture of the brickwork in it as well. It's quite crazy. So I'm just going to ask one question and then we're going to get into the formal line of questioning. But do you do much work on film sets? We have done a bit, yes. Because I would have thought that would have been a massive application. Yeah, the the biggest problem we have as far as that sort of thing is concerned is where our main factory is based, which is in Western Australia. There's not a lot of filming done over here. We're more You're going to have to come to the around. right side of the country, I think. Yeah, that's, I a, that's a 2024, right, Pete? Yes, that is <laughs> exactly what's on the plan. Yeah, over yeah. in Sydney next year. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So I guess, I, I guess, Bernie, like what, what is the application? Sorry, I was going to say, what, what is the application? Where, where does that speak to our renovators? And really, you don't need to spend a million dollars to make something look a million dollars. So all of these beautiful marbles that we see or sandstone, you can print on anything. So you can create something to look a million dollars without having to spend it. If you've got tiles, you can be printing over the tiles to create a a substrate that looks like marble. You can be printing over um, existing glass. And like the the, the picture behind you, you can turn that into a wallpaper and it can become a mural for a, a complete room so there's there's ways around things I mean we we I laugh because often in interior design or in doing the television shows you ran out of budget you only had twelve hundred dollars to make a room look fabulous so you ended up looking at the $2 shops and St. Vincent de Paul's and council clearouts and anywhere else to pick something up so that you could save a buck or two. And in doing this, in doing the printing, you're saving money all the time. You can make something look fabulous without actually spending the money, which at the end of the day, we've had 13 interest rate rises in 12 months. We're all looking to save money, right? Absolutely. Definitely. And I, that is just like I'm thinking about bathrooms that being a really good application for that because removing tiles is an expensive exercise and when they're looking pretty sad, yeah, yeah. So you might take a picture, for example, any eye stock image, Bernie, and print that on the back of glass and that sheet of glass can go straight over those tiles. Yeah. So you don't have the the demolition part of the equation either. Yeah, that's very, very cool, very cool. So let's just back up a bit and and just get a bit of a sense of how you come at design and decorating. So what part does behavioural design play in in what you do? Like why do we need to know about it? Okay. As an interior designer, when I go into houses, people say, oh, what should I do in here? And And I have to go back to them and say, if you don't know, we're in trouble because the the world has been some, come such a chaotic place that we need to go to a home that is our, our sanctuary and everybody has a different temperament. So a goal setter will like a different space and will feel their sanctuary is better with stronger colours. Lifestyle, they like high chroma colours. They like texture and movement a stability temperament needs to have it relaxed and calm and green neutral colors and then an information temperament is all about the detail now if you don't know where you fit in your style you're going to create a space that isn't an authentic space for yourself 
and you'll recognize that my, my 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 training is interior designer but also behavioral analyst and it's basically a cross-pollination of the two sciences how do you create a great space for you you know these questions yourself already if you like red or white wine or chicken or beef or sarong and thongs or suited and booted because you ask yourself those questions every day but you don't ask how do i need to live what is my functionality? Do I need a clear desk? You've been to people's homes where there's a space for everything and everything is in its space. And you've been to someone's house where it's like a clothes explosion. And some people can quite easily live in that clothes explosion. And others go, oh, if I don't put it away, I can't be creative. I'm not going to get everything done. So you really need to know yourself how you're analysed, and then you can create a space that works for you. Having said that, there's normally two temperaments in a house that are polar extreme. So how do you manage creating a space that works for two people uh, that potentially have a different, uh, I call it design DNA? So you need to find out how the cross-pollination works and create a space. And, and again, for your demographic, Bernie, you're looking at buying and selling houses where uh, you're selling to a mass audience. So how do you style a home where it's going to appeal to more of a mass audience rather than a very exclusive clients? So understanding temperament and how people will feel in a space is just paramount to the resale of the house and paramount to living in a great environment for you. Absolutely. And I know, I remember I listened to, I was at a talk with one of the architects that you work with, who is also very strong in this field and he was talking about like making restaurants more profitable because of how where you place people where people sit in the room and and what their experience like their experience of the decor is and that just really I think it's mind-blowing, isn't it? Well, it, it is. Look, at it, it, colour psychology comes into play. If you've got, I mean, for example, we go to a McDonald's restaurant and it's red and yellow, and that says get in, eat it, get out as quickly as you can because they want bums on the seats. If red as a colour, because colour travels in waves, like sound waves, it's processed through the eye, affects the hypothalamus and changes the way we feel. So blind people can feel colour. So if you put red in a restaurant, red will make you hungry, angry, irritable. It'll attract flies and make you want sex. So you might want to put it in a takeaway. You don't want to put it in a place where you want people to linger longer. So all of that psychology comes into place. The, the weight of a chair, the weight of a plate, how much space we have around the table. From a commercial perspective, it's all about the psychology of the space and user-centric design. And not too many people know that. We are manipulated when we go into restaurants. We don't realise we're manipulated, but a lot of the surroundings will make us want to come back or make us want to not make another booking. So, yeah, there's a lot of psychology that goes into design. Absolutely. And and so I know that you are, like, you use Peter's products a lot. How like how do they play in, into what you do around the behavioural design? Well, it, it's the bespokeness. If if I'm thinking of Frida Kahlo, if I've got a passion, which I do for Frida Kahlo, I can 
ensure that she is plastered all over my world for inspiration, whether that's in tiles or in a backdrop, or if I like biophilia and I like my plants, I can use bespoke images. I can create images myself and or get someone else to create images where they can be produced into wallpaper, into art, into decor items, into furniture. furniture. You don't need to, it's very difficult to find what what brings comfort, joy, and inspiration just in the shops? You can have your bespoke pieces at a realistic price. That's what excites me. Pete, tell tell us about some of the pieces you've done. I mean, I'm thinking of the Ken Duncan bars that we did for the charity Walk a While, where we had two of Ken's fabulous images on the outside of the baths, and they were just so bespoke. Yeah, look. I don't know where you start, to be honest. Some of the stuff we've done, people come up with these crazy ideas that suits their particular environment, their particular decor, what they're actually trying to achieve with their house. We've had people come to us and they wanted the images of some Greek buildings with the marble columns and the Colosseum and stuff in the background and so on in Rome and just wanting that sort of historical marble features put on their walls um, to give depth to the size of the building. And the way that you can print these days enables it, it just makes the whole room look much deeper and bigger than it actually is. So you walk into the creative space, but it's given that architectural environment they want. Some look, there's so many things that keep running through my mind. I, it's a bit hard to sort of put into yeah. where where to sort of focus on. But you know, bathrooms, like Deb was saying before, are printed on the back of glass and so on, so that when people are looking, they walk into the place, that room that might only be 2.4 by 2 metres, suddenly becomes something that appears to be four by two. Um, and it just gives so much depth to where you're looking. By using the substrates with the print, you can create things that are really optically just crazy and make things look so much bigger than they actually are, or vice versa, make it so they actually come in on top of you. And it depends what you're trying to create. And yeah. so those, the combination of the substrates with the printing processes enables you to do things you couldn't do. Now, in the commercial space, which we play in a lot, a lot of the fast food outlets are using more print and less natural natural product. So a lot of these fast food outlets, if they had a design come up with wood panelling, for example, a lot of the time now you're finding that they're actually a printed piece of ACM panel. There's a few reasons for that. Number one, natural wood absorbs fats out of the atmosphere and in fast food outlets, that's a problem, especially after a few years. You can't get it out of the timber. And if you get a hot day like I was in Perth today at 40 degrees, some of that fat starts to smell rather poorly, whereas a printed material, you don't get that it doesn't absorb anything. But it still looks like wood. It feels like wood, but it's actually a printed material. And because of the way we can do textured printing these days, it's a little bit scary that we can actually print an original, an exact copy of an original oil painting with the texture of the ink and everything. Um, and that concerns me a little bit in that are knockoffs from original artists, which I am very, very tight on not producing, reproducing things without permission, that it just needs to be done correctly. But it gives people an option if they wanted to have the look and feel of a brick wall or something of that nature, they can have it with just being a printed thing. Um, I was talking to Deb earlier on about the, a job we did for a big landscaping company that wanted to put a 12-metre-high concrete slab out the front of their building, solid concrete. It was about 300 mil thick and 1.8 metres wide. And the council refused to give them permission for it because if a severe storm or something came through and that fell over, it's too dangerous. 
Um, and they approached us and said, what can we do? So we actually ended up printing the concrete onto some panels. And if you looked at that sign, you would not know it was a print. It looks like concrete. It feels like concrete, but it's a print. So the, the capacity of what's available today and around the technology of some of the printing machines and, and software that's available, the sky's the limit. And when I've got an example in our showroom of a photo that I actually took on my iPhone that I've blown up to five by three meters. And when you look at it, you would not realize that it's come off an iPhone. And we just did that because it looks good. So if you've got the imagination and you want to create something that's different and it's out there and you're only limited by what you can, what you think of what you yep. can achieve, really. And um, I would imagine with AI, like AI imaging, that that obviously adds another dimension to it too. Yeah, well, you can create a whole lot of things that don't actually exist in reality that people, when even through Photoshop and those other traditional means, where we've actually gone and created imagery, and you look at that picture behind you at the moment, it would be very easy to actually go and manipulate that photo to make it into something that it obviously isn't in reality, but it's appealing to the eye. And it's, you know, if that's the feature that you like in your particular environment, it's possible to do. I can't wait to give it a go. (laughs) That is exciting. And what inspired you to start a business like this? Obviously, you've come across the machinery somewhere. Is that? Look, when I started this place, the, the machinery that's available today didn't even exist. It wasn't even invented. So what got us into this was actually back in 2000, I was asked by the Catholic Church to run a huge banner campaign for them. And at that stage, we were screen printing. And with the largest screen printing screens you could get, which was like four by that stage, 4.5 by 2.2 meters. But it took four people to actually move that screen to print. And when we're printing about 300 banners in four color process, it was just a very long, dirty, cumbersome job. And I'd said to one of my friends who was at early stages of IINet startup, there's got to be a better way. So we sat around for about three months on dial up and we eventually found a machine in Texas, which we ended up buying and bringing into, into Australia. We were one of the first in Australia to actually embrace this technology. And from there, it's sort of just growing to the point when I've, we tra- I travel overseas a lot and, and visit people all through Europe and North America, looking at what's happening in those markets and trying to stay ahead of what's happening in Australia. And we've, as a result, we're at the very forefront of technology. We do R&D work with Pantone, which I don't know if you know who they are, but yeah, and, and about colour management so that regardless of what materials we're actually printing on, you get the same colour. Um, and that's a very hard thing to achieve. So in a corporate sense, if Coca-Cola come to us and they want umbrellas and chairs and banners and flags, it should all be exactly the same colour. And you don't want to have a slightly orangey red next to a deep red on a different product. So we've managed to achieve that across multiple substrates in the same colours and so on. Um, and we have a full-time colour management specialist that works with us. And his job is purely to work with the technology to make sure that the reproduction of what we're doing is actually true to the um, colour or what people are expecting. Yeah. It's an interesting space. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. I can see why you're so excited about it, Deb. Well, look, look, I'll tell you why I get excited, and uh, you probably don't know this from my history, but my my father owned a paint and wallpaper shop growing up, and so I was always had my hands in paint and in and around wallpaper, and that's where my passion for interiors came. 
And so when I see the bespokeness, it's almost like being given a box of crayons or colouring pencils and you can go beyond the paper and create anything on the wall. I mean, I think about children's rooms. There might be a, a piece of art the child has created that you can put as a feature wall and with their name written on the bottom on, as a piece of wallpaper. I mean, the, the sky's the limit. If you had Michelangelo's print or something not too dissimilar, you could create that in a library. I look, I'm looking at the texture on the painting behind you and Pete can actually print with that texture. So it feels like a three-dimensional image. It really is. It's a creative, it's a, it's a tool that you can use to create it, almost anything. And, and, and I think too, with the 3D printers that are coming, it's just, it's a whole new skill set, but it's actually not expensive, which is what excites me. It's not about spending a lot of money. I mean, if you think of you, you if you were using velvet per, per se, velvets can be expensive if you're looking at wall panellings, can be very costly, but you can print the velvet. If you've got an eye stock image and it can look as though you've got a plush library of velvet wallpaper, but it's actually just print. That excites me. I mean, we, we also have the opportunity of having, I mean, they say buy once, buy well, right? And that's true for your, your foundational pieces. There's a whole lot of stuff that you can get away with. You have, you, I think one of the points is to mix high-end with realistic prices. So you don't always have to pay for the most expensive thing. Absolutely. And so one of the applications that I can think of, like we have a lot of Airbnb hosts, and the thing about Airbnb is you want to stop the scroll. You want people to stop and look at your listing. And when there's hundreds of listings and they all look the same, and so making a feature in your property that's that people will talk about, I think there's that that's a great way to do it. Yeah. So yeah, that's something else that I think an application that where it is really great for our community. Yeah. Absolutely. And timing, I think too, Bernadette. I think about your lovely tribe of women who renovate. And sometimes if you see a wallpaper, you've got to bring in from Europe or somewhere else, they don't have the time. So it's, although we get Peter to Sydney next year, I think it's a lot faster than bringing in things from the States or from the US or from, from Europe, which is where people really focus on really beautiful lined wallpapers. We just, Australia doesn't have the same amount of range that we could find overseas. But if you find an image that Pete can get it to you within the space of a week, that's that's pretty good. And, and he does really interesting things like the corrugated iron can be printed on. There's a fabulous Pong's product, which is a malleable piece of, uh, what is it, Peter? It's like a metallic. It's an aluminium metallic... impregnated fabric. Thank you for that. So you can, we literally dye the fabric and it's, yeah, these German, it's German company that came up with the technology and they run this very, very fine aluminium fiber through it. So we dye the fabric yeah. in the printing process and then it can be shaped to whatever you want and it holds its shape. And it's actually called shape. And what would you use it for? What would you use it for? What would you use it for? A, a sculpture or a, or a, a light fitting or both? And also, wolf. There's been a couple of commercial environment places we've used it where they put acoustic paneling behind it and then put this over the top of it to give it a three D right. artist's impression of things, something. I don't know. It's pretty abstract to me, but we're printing. I'm a printer, not a artist. So it's one of those things that they that just looking at the uses for it. It just it's crazy what you can actually do with this this sort of product it just revolutionizes rather than having just a, a straight flat piece of fabric all of a sudden you've got something that's malleable 
and will hold its shape so that if you actually mold it into the shape that you want, it'll stay there. Now, obviously, it's not going to do a three by two meter type single piece without any structure to help hold it up. It's not that strong. Yeah. But if you can put a basic framework behind it and use that as the covering, you can do anything. It's just, and then you add in LED lighting, which we do as well. You've really, yeah, you're not limited to hardly anything. Yeah. Um, I, I hope you've got a really good website, Peter, with all your product projects What's on the space. But <laughs> it's not as it's not as up to date as it should be, and it's just one of those things. We're actually in the process of doing a bit of a, a relaunch ourselves in the next two to three weeks. There's a lot of that stuff that will be up, and and we will have included a lot of these things that we're. But, but the girls, the girls can they can reach out to me because I've got PowerPoint after PowerPoint of illustrations. Yeah. So yeah, probably yeah happy happy to. Yeah, yeah. Get them to me, and I'll and I'll show them what Pete can do. I get excited by that because what what you're doing is you're providing solutions. Yeah. It's yeah, it's ridiculous to be excited, but I do get excited. Oh, I don't think so. I think it keeps. Okay, Christine Bounty has just said this is mind blowing. I love that, Christine. <laughs> it's ridiculous the things that excite you, but it does excite me. Finding solutions, creative solutions, is exciting. Yeah, it is. And and I think it really fosters creativity, like because rather than just stick with what's in the wallpaper book or whatever, you can actually get outside of those parameters and start thinking, well, anything's possible. And yeah, what you can imagine you can actually produce. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And it's here Australian made. This is the thing. It's not it's that. not imported. We're doing it's it's from home and it's not far and it's accessible. And wow. you you won't find a man with more integrity than PD. Um but something that's difficult to sometimes find in the industry, but he's a he's a really solid man of integrity and and Peter will always find a solution, which is great because sometimes I throw I actually met Peter at a trade show. And and I bumped straight into him and I was, look, we were doing a fundraiser and he said, we actually print on every substrate. I said, yeah, but can you print on a bath? And he said, yep, we'll print on a bath for you. And I went, okay, you're my man. That's it. You're in. <laughs> That's pretty good. Now, what if I have got a vision of this beautiful, tranquil, this setting in our bedroom, that's what I'm on the wall, and my partner has a different temperament. How do we deal with that? You give him a spare bedroom. That's what I think you do. Oh. <laughs> no, no. Well, look, it works for Goldie Horn, doesn't she? She has one house and her husband has another. It's yes. a challenge. Yeah, they live opposite each other. I think that's a good idea. Imagine having your own house. Look, it's it's a challenge. There's got to be compromise, I think. I think when it comes to the home, one person normally tends to do the decorating yeah. or the yeah. designing, and it's up for negotiation. I think everybody should have spaces within the house that speak more to them, and and there is there is obviously compromise. So one person has to decide, look, the bedroom for me needs to be this tranquil space because it's a place we sleep. So they get the vetoed vote. Having said that, I mean, there is artwork that lends itself to a couple of those things. If your partner likes texture, you might add texture with cushions, but the artwork is something that is agreed on. I, I As I say, like you find, find out the person's temperament first and then create 
places for them in the house that make them feel like they're in their sanctuary. It might be a reading nook for an information temperament where they can sit and have their books. It might be a beanbag or a reading soft corner for a stability person. But then there, there's the, the goal setter who's high-powered and driven. They need a, a desk that's going to work effectively in a, a very ergonomic space that's all the cables are tied and gone away. So really everybody should have somewhere in the house that just sings for them. Yeah, and that's we, that's the that's the little corner of paradise. Can we clarify what those temperaments are again? You said goal setter. Yep, there's goal setter. There are CEOs and senior drivers. They're fast paced and results focused. There's lifestyle. They're fast paced and relationship focused, and they're, they're the ones that are at the life of the party and working the room. And they go to the opening of an envelope, right? And they like regular change and high activity and and high chroma colors and texture. We've got stability, and they are they, there's always tomorrow. They want it really easy. Stability is they're slower paced and they're relationship focused. And then there's information temperament. And information is all about the detail. They like lots of clean lines. They were happy to spend the money to buy quality items, buy once, buy well, but they take a long time to make decisions. So the, the two temperaments that are fast-paced and results-focused are goals that are lifestyle, and then stability and information are slower. But they're all extremely different in how they need to live. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's interesting. I'm pretty sure I live with an information temperament. Right. So does he, here's the question, does he, and I know your husband, but does he, he does, he dot his I's and cross his T's and does he look at the terms and conditions and does he look at the budget you're spending and is he slightly slower paced and won't let you just make rash decisions financially? Then you have an information temperament. Congratulations. Okay. Definitely, oh, and um, and I and I and I would say you would probably be a go, a, either a goal setter or with a little bit of lifestyle there. So you're faster paced. Let's get the job done. Let's get out there, get it done. There's there's not tomorrow to spare. It needs to be done today. Okay. And he would drive you to absolute distraction. And I drive him to distraction too. But both of you, and so it's it's but but it makes it it it, it does uh, it does make it easier if you understand that that's what you need to accommodate because if you if you slow your pace down a little bit he's going to be a lot happier and if he increases his pace a little bit you're going to be happier so it's it's about modification at the end of the day beautiful beautiful so can we just have a bit of a chat about biophilia because i know that's something that you are very passionate about what does it mean and has how does it play into interior design and decorating yeah look look i think we we feel very differently when we're surrounded by nature i mean it it purifies the air and plants make a big difference to lowering stress levels so whether they are in the house in reality or whether like looking behind you the neutral palettes of the greens that automatically lowers your blood pressure so biophilia and biomimicry is where we take nature from the outdoors and bring it 
indoors in an interior design perspective so surrounding yourself with organic elements with with wicker and with raw organic elements will lower blood pressure will make us feel more calm and it'll feel like a more inviting space so feel feel free to bring the outdoors in to lower the angst and also in an office pete you could use a few plants there by the look even if it's in artwork. But, I mean, again, yeah. printing artwork on your bed bed linen, on your cushions. Go on, Pete, you were going to say something. You don't actually see the image that's on. And I'm looking at in front of me from the desk. It's of in Queenstown with the snow and the it's got that nice, cool, crisp morning with the snow down on the side of the road and it's just a perfect scene. So it's right. very D- does that, how, do, how does it make you feel? Relaxed. And, right. you know, and even though you might live in a pretty fast-paced world, you just look at it and you think it's just amazing that we can actually go and enjoy these sort of places. And you, every now and again, I'll sit back and just for 30 seconds, just remember what it was like actually being there. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's what you need. Yeah. yeah. But I'm looking at my scene here, which is obviously a, a Zoom image, and I go, oh, the Amalfi Coast, I'm feeling quite relaxed. So you can bring you can bring those elements in, and yours as well. I mean, I look at yours, Bernadette, and I'm looking at, it feels to me a little bit like raffles. There's this lovely invitational humidity with it. So how do we feel when we're surrounded by biophilic elements? We, we feel more calm and more relaxed, and we all need a little bit more of that in our world. Absolutely. Now, what's your passion moving forward, Deborah? Look, I I do really enjoy empowering people to create beautiful spaces for themselves. I think we've we've come back on the back of a pandemic and we've gone to live back in our premises again and living and working from home. We're moving back into the workspace. And so the thing that really lights my candle is seeing and empowering other people to create great spaces for themselves, not not necessarily doing the space myself for them, but to equipping them to create their own great spaces. So to resell houses, appealing to your audience, but just to create a little bit more productivity, love and joy around us in our premises and in our workspaces. So I do have a course of interior design, which is just helps to fast track. It's finding your design DNA. And it's also 101 tips and tricks on doing it on a budget. So love to chat to your tribe about that post event. Definitely. Well, well, we'll include a link in the show notes and we'll also link to Peter's company because I know that we'll have a lot of inquiries about that. And yeah, I watch this space, I guess, is, I guess I'm thinking it's such a relief because I feel like interior design has all been about buckets of white paint for quite some time now. So it's <laughs> nice to break free. There, there is an image uh, out there which is a bit of a, a gif which says how many whites are there with designers because there's like a thousand whites, but sometimes it's nice to move away from a white, right? Yeah, definitely. Like I love white too, but and, of course, we use it a lot. But, yeah, I think it's it's nice to be thinking a bit more innovatively. So, yeah, so... I want to thank you both for joining us. Hello, Will. Can I just chip yeah. in and say my world's all about colour and well, I don't print white. <laughs> it's, really? 
we really start with white. Actually, we do print white when it comes on clear substrates, but generally it's night when we go through literally probably about 30 litres of ink a, a, a week um, across the machines and print somewhere around about fifteen to 20,000 square metres. Um, and, it's yeah, we might use three litres of white in the middle of that. The rest of it's all colour. <clears throat> That's massive. Yeah. Yeah. So at full capacity, we can print around 30,000 square metres a day at the moment of print. And a lot of it ends up in the commercial space, obviously, with point of yeah. sale and that sort of thing. But the stuff that I really enjoy is the bespoke stuff that ends up in people's homes and, yeah, and Deb's seen yeah. some pretty specky stuff we've done for people using lights and stuff as well. So yeah. it's all about your imagination. Speak to Deb about it because she'll clarify some things and give you guidance as to best way to go about it and we'll produce it. It's, it works really well. Beautiful. Well, thank you to you both. And, yeah, I think we've we've finished. We'll make sure we include the links. And I want to thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Bernie. Always a pleasure. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.